0: Before Sarah speaks to us, Stephen Foster, our service pastor, is going to come and do the reading. So our reading today is in uh, Numbers chapter 13, which is on page 149 in the Blue Bibles, which will be in the seats around you, but it's also going to come up on the screens behind me, and we're going to start at verse 17. So when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, "'Go up through the Negev and onto the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak.' Few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was a season for the first ripe grapes. So they went up and explored the land from the desert of Zin as far as Rehob towards Lebo Hamath. They went up through the Negev and came to Hebron where Aheman, Sheshai and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, lived. Hebron had been built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. When they reached the valley of Eshkol, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried on a pole between them, along with some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster of grapes the Israelites cut off there. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who'd gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw are of a great size. We saw Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Would you give a warm welcome to Sarah Jackson?
1: Well, good morning. It is such a treat to be here with you. I bring greetings from Queensgate campus, where I usually am. And today, I want us to talk about, yes, we can. Each one of us is called to overcome our fears. And we're going to look at Caleb, this young, courageous, visionary leader, who is faced with incredible opposition, incredible fear, but believed that nothing was impossible with God. And because of that, he was a man who changed the course of his nation. And we too are called to be people like Caleb, people to play our part in the course of history to face our fears. And a number of years ago, Tom and I were invited to stay with some friends in Africa, right out in the bush. And uh, it was amazing, it was really isolated, and uh, one night Tom was barbecuing, and I had to pop inside to go to the loo. The generator was a bit iffy, so you never knew if you had lighting or not. So I went into a dimly lit house, and as I'd been well-trained coming from South Cairn, I knew I needed to check for all things creepy-crawly. So, as I went into the bathroom, I I did my classic, check behind the door, check under the sink, check in the corner, check behind the loo. I thought, great, just about to sit down. Something made me think, do you know what? I'm just gonna double check and glimpse. And as I looked down into the loo, looking at me was this huge rat. I mean, ugly, huge rat, and I screamed. I knew it had come up through the sewer, and I was about to sit on it, and I ran. I got Tom, I said, Tom, Tom, and he he came. He he was amazingly um, heroic, and um, I said, we can't do anything about it. It's come up through the loo, and he's like, yes, we can going to make a plan. So Tom made the plan, but the only implement that we could find in the house were these really short barbecue tongs that he was barbecuing with. So the plan was, his part, which he played really well, was that he was very slowly, because you know we didn't know, is it going to go for the jugular? Is it going to jump? Is it, he would go really slowly. He would grab the rat, which Quite frankly, you can't even hold a sausage in those barbecue tongs. But he was going to grab the rat with the barbecue tongs. And then I, my part was to stand there with a the plastic bag. He was going to put the rat in. And then I was going to go throw it out into the bush. Anyway, like, you know, bomb squad expert, Tom went right down. And amazingly, he grabbed it. He got it in one. But as I saw it come out of the loo, the size of it and the tail it started, I screamed. I dropped the bag and I ran away. <laughs> <laughs> And I abandoned Tom with a giant African rat in very short barbecue tongs. I was really useless, really useless. And my first instinct faced with fear was to run. I just wanted to get out. And all of us in life, we face fears and challenges, some silly like mine, but some really significant and daunting. And for Caleb, the challenge was very serious we find the people of Israel on the knife edge of either being wiped out as a people by their enemy or entering into the promises that God has for them into their future. It was a nation-defining moment. And Moses sent out the 11 plus Caleb to go be like spies into enemy territory, to go and vet, do reconnaissance, to report back what they see. And all 12 see the same things. They see amazing abundance They see grapes, they see opportunity, but they also see the challenges. They see these unbelievable fortified cities. They hear about the Anak tribe, and we hear in Deuteronomy, they are giants, they're legendary warriors, and they're inhabiting the hill country. They're fortified cities, military superiority, like they've never seen so much power. But what's interesting is that 10 of the spies, looked at the challenges, a a bit like me with the rat, and say, we can't do it. There's nothing we can do. These giants are undefeatable. They're going to take us out. And yet two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they look at it and they say, yes, we can. These giants are defeatable. We can take them out. What was it about these two that caused them to have different perspective when we are faced with challenges and fears which we all will our decision as to whether we think they're too strong for us or whether we think God's strength can overcome them will be some of the most important and defining decisions that we make for our lives and they will be the decisions that determine the impact of our life what was it about Caleb that gave him the yes we can person. What can we learn from him? Well I think the first thing is that we see that Caleb's got a different perspective and he's developed this different perspective because he remembers what God has done. Caleb was a boy as a slave in Egypt. He had walked on that riverbed when when the the sea had been parted in the Red Sea and rescued out of Egypt. He'd walked through the parting of the sea. He'd been led by day by the cloud. He'd been led by night by the pillar of fire. He'd fed and he'd nourished on manna and quail in the desert. He'd seen incredible miracles. He'd encountered God when he was on, on Sinai giving Moses the Ten Commandments. He'd seen it all. He knew firsthand how God had protected, provided for his people time and time again. And here they were, camped right on the border of this promised land. Surely God wasn't going to let them down and let them be defeated by giants. It's so interesting that the 10 spies, they've lived exactly the same life as Caleb. They've been through all those experiences of seeing God rescue them yet they seem more preoccupied with their circumstances than with God. And, you know, I can so relate to them, so often our circumstances loom so real that we can forget the promises of God. The key difference isn't what these men saw, but it is how they saw it. Caleb had a different perspective. And he remembered God's words He remembered his acts, but he remembered his words. He remembered God saying, you are my people. I will be with you. I will give you the land. Caleb knew his authority in God. He knew who he was. He knew who God was. And he knew that God had called them and anointed them and promised this future for them. And he'd be right behind them. The 10 spies, I, I, I have sympathy with them. They're petrified. They're saying, we're not able to go up against these people. They're stronger than us. Numbers 13, 31. We're like grasshoppers in our own sight and in theirs. We're going to be taken out. Yet yeah, Caleb says, oh no. We are overcomers. That is who we are. That is our identity. That is who we are created to be. Let's go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it, he says. He sees himself as God sees him, not as grasshoppers, but as slayers of giants. God continues to speak over us. He continues to say, you are my child with me, nothing is impossible. You are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And you know, I know this isn't always easy. It's not always how we feel. It's not always how I feel. Personally, I know all too well what it feels like feeling like a grasshopper, feeling inadequate, feeling incapable, feeling inarticulate. Even this past month, I've had grasshopper moments where work and life, the giants have just felt looming so big and so powerful. But God's promise for me is the same promise for you. It's the same promise for Caleb. Whatever circumstances we're facing today, tomorrow, we are not going to be squashed by the forces outside like grasshoppers. In Jesus Christ, We stand in the power of the Spirit and he calls us giant slayers and more than conquerors. God says over us, yes, you can. And like Caleb, when we cultivate a different perspective, we remember God's faithful acts and his promises. One of the things I so love about working with Nikki and Pip's is their amazing ability to see a new perspective. You know, they, are, they look for the future of the church, and they are seeing there isn't the diversity in leadership, whether it's ethnic, social, educational diversity, that, that there should be, that there is in our nation. And you know, some would look at that and say, well, there's nothing can be done, but not them. they it can be done. They, so they've pioneered a new Peter stream of ordination that we will see Anybody who's ever felt excluded from leadership in the Church of England because of colour, because of background or education, come in and take up their rightful role to lead. We've had four outstanding people on this stream and we've got more coming in September where others say it's not possible. They say it can be done. Yes, we can. Caleb lived with that different perspective. But secondly, he lived by a different spirit, I love Numbers 14, 24. It says, My servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Caleb showed this spirit in his response. When he says, Surely we can take them. Let's take them now. Give me that mountain where the giants live. We've got it. We can do it. That's the spirit. And Caleb's spirit came from the Holy Spirit. He was full of God's spirit. And you and I have such a privilege of being able to invite the Holy Spirit every day to fill us with his resource, with his strength, with his courage to overcome the obstacles that we will inevitably face. We can live with a different spirit like Caleb. And just this last week, I met such an inspiring young Australian man who is living with that different spirit. He had a dream to set up a company that would give a massive proportion of its profits away. He wanted to produce really high-quality products, really great kind of hand creams and, and water. And, and, but he wanted to make sure that every time you bought that product, you knew that the proceeds were going to build a well or to help some sanitation project. And everyone said, oh, you know, giving your profits away, it's not going to work. It's never been done. That's not how business works. He decided he's not going to give 20%. He's not going to give 50%. He's giving 100% of his profits. He's given 7 million away. He's living by a different spirit. And isn't that what we need to put purpose back into business? in every sector of health, education, enterprise, to live and to work with a different vision and a different spirit. So Caleb was a yes-we-can person because he had a different perspective. He lived with a different spirit. But thirdly, he lived to a different timescale. He was 38 years old when he escaped and came out of Egypt. At 40 he was ready to enter that promised land. Brilliant age to plant a church, by the way. Um, he was ready. He was like, we can take it. We can do it. Can you imagine the disappointment when the whole, everybody rallied against him and said, no, we're going to die. We can't do it. He had to wait 45 more years till he was 85 years old until the opportunity came up again. But what I love is when that opportunity came up, this is what he says to Joshua, 85 years old. Joshua 14. I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain where the giants live, which the Lord spoke of in that day that the cities where we were great and fortified, that it might be that the Lord is with me and I'll be able to drive him out. As the Lord had said, give me that mountain. Do you know, he was all in, giants and all, 85. He'd waited for 45 years. He was in it for the long haul, the marathon, not the sprint. And I find it so interesting, the configuration of the way that the campsite of the Israelites was set up Obviously, not quite as good as Focus, but they set it up in the 12 tribes, were set up like a cross, four different campsites. And on the furthest east, the furthest, the closest to the promised land, was the tribe of Judah, which Caleb was head of. And what's interesting about that is I bet every morning when Caleb woke up, grabbed his good coffee like we do at Focus, he would have looked over to that mountain. He would have seen that mountain. And that mountain could have been a daily reminder of his disappointment and his failure. But I like to think that he woke up every morning and he looked at that mountain. And it was a reminder of God's faithfulness, of his promises. It was a reminder that God was going to do what he said. And you may be living with unfulfilled hopes, dreams, If so, be reminded today by Caleb that God has no expiry date on his promises. He hasn't forgotten you. It is never too late. And I love taking encouragement that Nelson Mandela was 75 years old when he became president of South Africa, after 27 years in prison, years of campaigning against apartheid. Winston Churchill was 65 years old when he became prime minister and stood up against the Nazi regime. It is never too late. Caleb, an imperfect hero, exhibited resilience to the end, until he saw the promises of God fulfilled. But Jesus, our perfect hero, himself waited till the other side of death to see the fulfillment. As he was resurrected to new life and overcame death and every giant that sought to take him out and defeat him. And it's because of his victory that we have the promise of victory. It's because of his power, not our own, that we can slay the giants before us. Though we are weak, and aren't we weak? I am weak. In Christ, we are strong. Jesus promises that his mighty power is at work in those who believe, and that includes each one of us, you and me, for your life, for your circumstances. As it does for me you like me may think of yourself not so much naturally like a Caleb as you know from my fear of rats more like the 12 the 10 perhaps Reuben but as you and I are filled with the spirit as we begin to catch a glimpse of what God has made us for he has made us for a purpose He has a destiny. He has a calling over us. He has a plan because he loves you and he's made you for a purpose. God is calling you and me to see differently, to live differently, to persevere differently to the prevailing culture around us. And you know, many people say, oh God, look how great my problem is. Let us be the people who say, oh, problem, look how great our God is, because yes, we can. Amen.